fabulous. Fantastic. Well, you may be seated right now. We're going to have an amazing morning this morning. We want to welcome Pastor Andy Elms and Gina Elms, all the way from Portsmouth Family Church. I'm telling you now, Pastor Andy must have been coming here probably easily for 20 years now. Easily. And um, do you know, if you know Andy, every time Andy has come, he has inputted into the heart of this church. He's always come with a very timely word. So this morning, we are going to be so blessed. And also, uh, this evening, is it 5.30? 5 o'clock this this evening, please. I know Sunday evenings can be busy, you know, getting stuff ready for the kids for school tomorrow. But if you can make it, please, let's, let's get here. Because in these days, I'm telling you now, the one thing that will never fail you is the word of God. Amen. Come on, let's show our appreciation for Pastor Andy Elms. Come on, church. Hey, praise God. It's good to be back with you. 20 years is a long time, huh? And uh, when we first uh, started walking with uh, Pastor Ray and David and Faye, uh, I don't think we had any children. And then along come one, and we got five now. And... uh, We're actually at that age where only two of them are with us. It's like we're spending the weekend with two of our children thinking, I wonder what it would have been like to have two kids. And we're experiencing that now. But it's a privilege to be back with you and love to see what God's doing here in Kings in this new season that you're in. It's a joy and a pleasure to spend some time with uh, David and Faye. And we're going to be hanging out today and just spending time watching what God's doing in this place. Amen. And uh, hey, I just want to advertise a book that we've got with us. You know, I've written a a number of books, but we've just finished this new book. It was released last month, and it's called Breakfast of Champions, Volume 2. How many people remember Breakfast of Champions, Volume 1? I know that a lot of people have been using that devotional. Well, we had such a um, a demand from it, people started to say, okay, we've done Volume 1, what now? Because we've got to be a devotional people, amen? People would break free from crowd mentality of it's just about meetings on Sunday to being people that are growing ourselves in God personally for ourselves. And so out of a heart for that, me and uh, Gina have been writing these devotionals each day. And uh, we've just finished this second book. And with the first book, Breakfast of Champions, we only did devotionals from Monday to Friday. That was just a remit that we felt the Lord give us. But people started to say, well, what about the weekend? What about Saturday and Sunday? So this one's different in that we haven't written devotionals for Saturday and Sunday, but we've written a weekend workout. Sound good? And uh, because we've got to be working out our faith, amen. So uh, Gina wrote 52 weekend workouts, and they're simple things like, hey, you've read his Psalms, why don't you write one for yourself? Um, It's about caring for people, noticing people that aren't noticed. And so we really believe that this isn't just a devotional because there's no shortage of devotionals available today online and on Amazon. But this is a discipleship devotional. But um, a lot of the devotionals that you can read, they're cute. And uh, but some of them don't really say much more than God loves you, go kiss a flower. And um, that's not going to grow you. We wanted to write a devotional that challenged you and said, come on, think about this. Come on, get what God says into your life about this. And uh, so, hey, I'm going to give this to Faye's new neighbor. Is that okay? I just want to think, yeah, I was thinking, who should I give it? Let's give this to, let me just, can I throw that? I'll jump down, but it's quicker for you. Hey, God bless you. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. So join uh, loads of people that do breakfast with me and Gina every morning during the week. Excellent. If you've got your Bibles with you, turn to Psalms 107. I really want to speak today, not a message, but a mandate that's on my life. Uh, You know, I get to travel the world. I get to travel Great Britain. We oversee 10 congregations now in family church. Most of them are in the United Kingdom, around the south of England. How many people have ever been to Portsmouth? Oh, it's a wonderful place. It really is. You know, once you've been there, you don't want to go anywhere else in the world. You don't. And we've planted in around Portsmouth, but I also get to travel around the nation and around the country. And 
hear different people say, this is what the church needs, and oh, we just feel this is what the church needs. And, and I've been in meetings where experts and little spurts have said, well, we think this is what the church needs. Do you know, I think that sometimes we look too difficult for things that aren't there, when the things that we need are really simple. In my heart, I hope this isn't too simple for people this morning, I've come all the way from Portsmouth, and I've got this really simple message, which is a mandate on my heart, For the churches I'm leading, but also the people I'm influencing. Do you know, all the church needs today, as in the people, not the building, is we just got to love God again. we just got to love God, not with a shallow love, but with a deep love. And we've just got to get hungry for God again. Uh, It's time for us to get hungry for God, so that He's the greatest appetite in our life. It's not wrong to have other appetites, and as you can see, I've got a fairly good one when it comes to grub or when it comes to food. Appetite is a powerful thing in your life, and I want to speak this morning in the time that we've got together about your and about my appetite for God and for his kingdom and for the things to do with him, because that's going to, in the light of eternity, be the greatest appetite that there has been in your existence, because other things will pass away, including the body that we feed. All that stuff will one day pass away. But this relationship we've got with God, that will never pass away. It's with us now in this realm, but it's also what we're going to be doing for all eternity. Now, it's hard for us to think about eternity because we're locked into what we know, the present and the now. And in our minds, we're like, yep, well, one day I'll be 70 and one day I'll be 80. Now, what you've got to understand is one day when you close your eyes to this life, Jesus has removed the sting and the fear of death and the grave. It's just a doorstep now into the bigger existence of you dwelling with God forever and ever and ever. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one of these I'll fly away Christians. They annoy me. Because normally they're lazy and they don't have any intention of winning anyone else to Christ. But almost like, well, I'm saved. One day I'm going to heaven. And we sing songs, don't we? I'll fly away, oh glory. Do you know what I think when I hear that song? Open the window and let them out. Because <laughs> they're getting under my feet, you know. <clears throat> One day we will go to glory. But we've got a lot to do while we're here. There's a world to change. There's a nation to win. What sort of church is going to win this nation? What sort of church is going to win England and Wales and Scotland and Ireland? Do you know, I really believe it's simple. It's a hungry church. A church that are hungry for God again. You know, when I look around at the modern church, I don't want to knock it. I love all its bells and its frills and we do all this stuff. But when I look around at the modern church, I think that... Actually, we've lost something that's vitally important to who we are, and that's just raw hunger for him. That raw hunger that drives us, that raw hunger that's just like an appetite within us. We live in a time where people can take or leave God. How can you take or leave the creator of everything that you know? How, how can we have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude? You know, I know not in this church. You guys are really good at getting here on time. Maybe it's good coffee or a passion for Christ. I don't know, a bit of both. But I know in our church, you know, week in and week out, I can tell tales on them because they're not here. But I, I stand there and I watch people kind of come in 10 minutes after the service and 15 minutes. Some of them come in like 10 minutes towards the end. And I'm like, so glad you could make it. God's humbled by your presence. Thank you for making time. And I've tried everything over 20 years. You know, you've got to get there early. Together we're stronger. Oh, you, you, I've tried, but now I'm just like, you just got to get hungry. You just got to get so hungry for God, you can't be late. Because when we get hungry for something, it becomes an appetite within us that not negatively or from obligation but positively from ownership, begins to drive us. Suddenly we don't need people getting us where we need to be, when we need to be there. Every other appetite in your life gets you where you need to be, when you need to be there. So I think sometimes we just waste a lot of energy as leaders speaking about strategies 
for the church, we've got to be the church. No, we've just got to get people hungry. I'm going to preach a bit, and then I'm going to pray hunger over the lot of you. Listen, this isn't a well-articulated message. I'm from Portsmouth. I've sold fruit and veg for a living for the biggest chunk of my life. But what I have got is a hunger that's been on my life for over 25 years for Jesus Christ. And I don't know what's going on, but I'm getting hungrier than I've ever been. Suddenly, the things that I played with, I don't want to play with them anymore. Me and my wife are ex- experiencing this awakening of hunger for God. God, we want you. God, we want you. We don't just want what you do. We're not coming with shopping lists. God, we want you. Something inside of us again is driving like an appetite. You, God, you, God, not just what you do, not just the things you provide. You, God, we want to know you. Can I preach some people hungry this morning? Okay. And some people hungrier. Because it's amazing how we can think that we're hungry, that one day we eat something different and we realize we weren't hungry at all. All right, some simple verses this morning. You all doing okay? You ready to get hungrier for God? I love this psalm, Psalm 107. It just says this in verse 9. For he, that is God, he satisfies the thirsty. You know, thirst is a type of appetite, isn't it? It's the liquid form of hunger. Have you ever been thirsty when you just need a diet Pepsi with ice. I mean, not like we do ice in our country, but like we do ice in America. Don't, don't you love it when you go to America and you actually get about that much drink and the rest is crushed ice. But that little bit of drink that you get, oh, that's cold. I'm a funny guy. I like my Diet Pepsi cold and I like my coffee hot. I don't like lukewarm. I don't like warm Coke and I, I don't like warm Diet Coke. I don't like a warm coffee. I like cold, ice cold, brain freeze Diet Pepsi. And I like coffee that burns your lips and burns your throat when it's going down. You know, God's kind of like that about us in the book of Revelations. He says, I'd rather it was hot or cold. The lukewarm stuff just makes me want to chuck. It makes me want to vomit. It makes me want to throw up. I want to give God hot from who I am. I don't want to give God. I have over certain points in my years. I've been mediocre. I've been lukewarm, even though I claimed I wasn't. But I don't want to be warm for God. I want to be hot. When I'm looking at what God's doing in the world right now, suddenly Christianity is something that we've got to stand up for and stand along. It's time for us to be hot and hungry. Amen. But it says, he satisfies the thirsty and he fills the hungry heart with good things. Isn't that amazing? Another translation says, he satisfies the hungry. Well, what about those who aren't hungry? I don't know. He doesn't talk about them. He says he satisfies the hungry with good things. When we get hungry for God, he gives us good things that satisfy beyond anything we could have imagined that we ever needed. But what satisfies is simply the other side of our appetite for him. When we talk about hunger, we need to understand it's something that Jesus spoke of. In the Beatitudes, it says in, is it Matthew 5? It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for God and who he is and what he's about. For they shall be filled. So maybe today, if we're Christians or if we're not Christians, and there's a lack of satisfaction in our life, other things have left us dry, other cisterns that we've drawn from haven't quenched our thirst, like the Samaritan woman at the well, we've got an unquenchable thirst and we don't seem satisfied. Maybe the answer is really simple. It's to have the greatest appetite in our life for the one who made us. And to be wanting him more than we've wanted him. I just sense the Holy Spirit putting a fresh hunger on people right now, awakening people. And that's what I'm here to do today. I'm not here to preach a well-articulated message. I'm here to get people hungry for God. I'm here to get people hungry for God. I am here, and I'm trusting the Holy Ghost as I preach, for those who aren't hungry to begin to get hungry. And for those who are hungry to get hungrier. Amen. Now, appetite is a good thing. Now, I'm not talking <clears throat> about um, appetite or, or hunger being a good thing in the context of the third world. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. Hunger in the third world is not a good thing. 
especially when there's about five or six people that live on the planet that own so much stuff that they could alleviate world poverty and world hunger overnight. That's not good. That's greedy. Amen. I'm not talking about hunger or appetite being a good thing when it comes to famine in the third world. But come on, let's face it, famine just isn't in the third world, is it? You know, in Portsmouth, we're all in the city churches like you guys. We have people queuing up for food week in, week out. And I know you guys do a whole bunch of stuff. You've inspired us over the years concerning how you guys don't just show the love of God spiritually or in words, but practically. The grub that goes out of this building week in and week out is amazing. Listen, isn't it crazy that we're living in a time, we see it, you know, every Wednesday we have our food bank, every Thursday we have our drop-in. Last Friday night, I was out on the homeless run, and we take food out to the guys on the street. I love that. That's one of my favorite places. Church meetings bore me silly, but being out in the church van, shoving a sandwich in the face of some guy that's drunk and don't know how to say thank you, that's what I like. That makes me feel alive again. Every pastor needs to be out doing that stuff, otherwise it just becomes churchonious, balonious, and uh, it's about God and people, Amen. But it's amazing that we, have, we had a young lady come in Wednesday and we gave her some grub. And, and she, was, she was only a kid herself. She was a kid having kids. And she had one young kid that was one and she was pregnant. Dad wasn't nowhere around. Mum and dad weren't helping her. She needed food. And she said, if I ain't got food, we haven't got any food. We've got, there is no plan. And that's a horrible hunger that I believe that we're here as the church to deal with when our city councils can't anymore. But there's a good hunger that God wants us to have a hunger for him, a hunger or an appetite that causes us to do something about where we're currently at. So I'm not saying that hunger or appetite are good in um, a natural lack of food context. I need to underline that because a lot of people struggle these days. But what I want to do is I want to say that being hungry for God in the center of who you are for him, that's a good thing. Because appetites are a part of what we are. Some people have an appetite for success, don't they? When you watch a dragon's den, you always see entrepreneurs that think they know everything. But what got them positioned where they are if they're not living off of old money is that within them there was an appetite for success. When you listen to the stories of self-made millionaires... They didn't sleep when others slept. They didn't give up when others give up. When you read the incredible story of Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken, old man, could have quit, but something inside of him kept driving him for the success that he knew was due his life. When you look at social action and justice, you look at appetite within great men like William Wilberforce, right? When you look at the stuff where slavery was abolished in our nation and trafficking was stopped, normally there's someone leading the charge that doesn't want to sleep, they want to see justice. That doesn't want to have a week off, they want to see justice. So appetite is a part of who we are. We have appetite for food, I know I do. I mean, this morning, breakfast, I thought about fasting and I thought, that's a stupid thought, that's a stupid thought. let's, let's, let's Let's go and eat. But appetite is something that God put in us. I have designated fasters in my life, and I ring them when I feel I need to fast. And uh, I I don't know, God's never told me off, so I'm going to keep on doing that. (laughs) But appetite is something that God puts in us to cause us to get where we need to be. I think appetite is a little bit different to hunger. It's what causes us not to starve. Because imagine if you didn't have appetite, and I'm not a doctor, and this is just my self-evaluation of stuff. But imagine if you were laying in bed and you were hungry, but you didn't know you were hungry, so there was nothing inside of you doing anything about your hunger. Would you actually die and wake up in heaven and go, look at that, I just starved to death? (laughs) Deep, right? (laughs) Is it appetite within us that stops us starving to death? If we didn't have appetite in us naturally for grub and for food, would we wake up in heaven and go, no one told me I was starving to death. Look, here I am. I shouldn't be here. I'm here early. (laughs) Now, appetite is what causes us to get up and do what we need to do, right? Now, when I think of a natural appetite within me for food, it's easy to see the appetite that I need to let loose in my life now for God. Because I know a couple of things about appetite is appetite gets you where you need to be. 
Now, sometimes when I'm out on the road and I'm preaching, you get back a little bit late. You've been out ministering. You kind of roll in the driveway, 12, 1 in the morning. You're tired and your body's saying, I need sleep. So you get yourself into your gym jams, into your PJs. You get into bed. You're laying there. You want to go to sleep. And all of a sudden you hear this little voice, slice of pizza in the fridge. There it is. Some of you more spiritually attuned people know it's not a demon. (laughs) I think it is. No, it's not a demon. It's something God put in you. And you're laying there, you're like, I don't need food. I need sleep. But as you try to go to sleep, that little voice comes back and says, pizza, pepperoni, fridge. The kids haven't got it. You saw it when you were getting a glass of water. It's in there. It's waiting for you. It's got your name on it. And before long, I don't know like you, but I'm on the bed and I'm thrashing like a man insane. Pizza fridge, pizza fridge, pizza fridge. But I need sleep, pizza fridge. But in the end, I get out of bed, I put my little curly slippers on. That's a scary thought, isn't it? And I run down the stairs like wee willy winkle. That's even a worse thought. And I go to the fridge and there's that bit of pizza. I get that out because I don't want cold pizza. I put it in the microwave. I ding that baby for about 90 seconds. It comes out. It's sizzling. I shove that thing into my face. I digest that thing. Then I go back to bed. What was it that got me out of bed and got me moving to do something I said I was hungry for? It was appetite. Listen, when we start to just get hungry for God, when we can pray, I'm going to pray this at the end if it's okay. God, get me hungry. Get my church hungry. I've warned my church. I said, I'm praying for you. You've had it. I'm praying. And none of this, Lord, bless you. I'm saying, get them hungry. Get them gut hungry for you, God. Get them hungry. I said, I'm praying for you. I'm, I'm praying for you. But I'm not judging you. I'm judging me. I'm standing here first saying, me first, God. Get me hungry than my excuses. Get me hungrier than my apathies. Get me hungrier than my experiences. God, there's more of you. I want what comes from me. I want the satisfaction that's found in you alone. I want you to quench my thirst. I want you to deal with these hungers and appetites within me. Man, when you start getting hungry for God, you start to go where you need to go when you need to be there. Oh, we're not the generation for some of the songs that they used to sing, the one that went before. But some of those guys had such a greater hunger for God than what we have in our generation. You didn't have to convince people when to be at church and why they had to tithe. You didn't have to handle people with kid gloves. In those days, they were more hardcore because there was a root hunger in them. God is real and he has plans for my life. And I don't want my ways. I want his ways. There was a driving hunger within generations that have gone. But we've got to get back. Otherwise, we're just going to be like nursemaids just guiding people in places. No! Hunger for God. Jesus, make us hungry for you, God. Make us hungry. Let this be more than a message this morning, Father. Let your spirit be working within our appetites for you. Oh, when you get hungry for God, it gets you where you need to be. All your excuses take second place. Well, I, never, I said I would never do that. All that junk goes. The amazing the things that me and Gina are doing now that we said, we would never do that. We don't care anymore. We want God. We want God. I don't want religion. I want God. I ain't got time for religion. I want God. I'm, I'm getting hungry. I'm a man that's dangerous, Dave. I'm a man that's dangerous because I'm getting hungry. I don't know. Me and my wife are praying now in the morning. It's us. Start with us. Get us hungry. Yesterday morning, Gina said to me, I was asking the Lord this morning, what does it mean? Because I'm kind of scared. We're praying, get us hungry. What does that look like? And as clear as anything, the Spirit of God said to Gina, less of you. That's what it looked like. I thought, wow, come on. Less of you. When you start getting hungry for God, you don't matter anymore. Your preferences. Your, well, I like this. I didn't like that third song. All that rubbish. Goes. That's just stupid stuff. But when you get hungry, you start to motivate people around you as well. You know, hey, if we want to see our neighbours and our friends and family get on fire for God, like the old preacher said, we need to draw a circle around ourselves, set ourselves alight and invite our friends and neighbours to come and watch us burn for God. 
We're his advertisement, not Facebook, not social media, not Instagram. You on fire for God, you displaying hunger will get those around you hungry. Listen, I've played with some appetites in my life, but one of the most scariest appetites that I've encountered and seen it face to face five times now is the pregnancy woman appetite. That is dangerous. That is, you don't play with that, guys. Young men that aren't yet married, don't play with it. When, when that appetite stares you down, do what it says. Don't play with it. You could get hurt. You really could. It's not reasonable. It's not rational. It can't be understood. It wants what it wants. I first met it in South Africa in a little place called East London. I first encountered this appetite. And me and Gina were over there preaching and ministering. And uh, we didn't know that there was a baby on the way. We didn't know that little Livy Joy was coming. But I knew something wasn't right that night when we were in bed. And all of a sudden, Gina says to me, I'm hungry. And we were in this rural area of South Africa. And all you men that have been married and had, you got, yeah, now you're talking my language, bro. You're there, bruv. You're there. You are so on it, bruv. And she said, I'm hungry. I went, well, we'll eat in the morning. Worst thing to say, no, 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 no. I was a young disciple. I'd never walked this road. I didn't know what to expect. No one had fathered me in this thing. She said, I'm hungry, but then I should have known when there was a specific, I want tomato soup. But no, no, Campbell's. I went, you what? We're in the middle of South Africa. Where'd you get Campbell's tomato soup at this time at night? And so I did something stupid. I ignored that voice, that appetite. A few minutes later, I heard a voice again, slightly changed, different tone. I said, I'm hungry. And it kind of froze me to the bed for a bit. I thought, we've been married now for four years. I've never heard that tone. Something's not right. Something's changed. There's a disturbance in the force. Something's happened. But I did it again. What a woe. I ignored it. Oh, the next time. I'm hungry. I, I didn't even, I was out of bed, I had my little flip-flops on, and I'm running through South Africa, it's raining, I can embellish this story really good, because I'm an evangelist, there was snow elephants, raw tigers running at me, there was a tribe of Africans that came over with spears, but I was going to get that soup, and I remember going into this Indian corner shop in East London, South Africa, and I went in there, I said, sir, sir, I need a tin of tomato soup, and he said, we have tomato soup, and I said, that's wonderful that was more like scots wasn't it i'm just going to keep away from accents all right but then i said it's got to be campbell's and he looked at me i said i know i know right and he went he said this is this is how much god loves me he said i have one tin of campbell's soup and so i took that that soup and i made i was like you could basically hear barry manilow in the background ah made it through the rain. I was there with that Campbell's. I kept myself protected from the others who... And I got home and I was like, your man has done it. She said, I don't want it anymore. She'd moved on. Listen, when you get hungry, you start to motivate people around you. When you get hungry, I'm not talking about spiritual dynamics and etiquette. I'm talking about gut hunger. When you get hungry, you start to move. When you get hungry, people around you start to move. People start to get fired up. People begin to say, what have I been doing? Who put me in this slumber? Let an awakening come upon me. But it's about God. It's about people. It's about me walking with him seven days a week. Knowing him and loving him. Now, hunger is relative. And often when we say we know what hunger is, we only know hunger according to what we've known hunger thus far in our life. And I can remember I made this mistake. And I was, I was always a little bit of a chubby kid. I know that's hard to believe now when you look at the fine figure of the man that stands before you. And it is all natural. I don't work out. I don't go to a gym or anything. Gina will bear witness with that. This is just I wake up and I'm built like this. But when I was a kid, I was chubby. I was a four by four. I really was. I was four that way, four that way. <laughs> I could have been a munchkin. I could have been anything really in life. 
But I can remember walking into the kitchen, and I must have been about nine years old, going up to my mum and saying, Hey, mum, oh, I'm hungry, feed me. Mum, I'm starving. Mum, if you don't feed me, I'm going to die. I'll drop dead. And I hadn't eaten for two and a half hours. I was serious. But I wasn't being flippant. I was speaking out of my experience thus far of what hunger is. That's why don't ever say you've been as hungry as you can be for God because you haven't. You've only been as hungry as what you've known. Listen, deep calls under deep. God wants us to start having some deep conversations with people. But you've got to go and find him. You've got to get hungry for him. Church as it is won't work. This won't change the nation. What we're doing, even though we're giving us, this ain't not going to change. When a group of people get hungry for God, we'll change nations. I prayed over our church recently and said, God, I don't want to be known in the history books of church as somebody that did church well. Oh, God, let family church be marked in history as a people that were marked with hunger for God. Let us be marked and recorded as a people who were marked with great hunger for God and who he is. So there's me, that chubby kid in the kitchen, and I thought I knew what hunger was. And I think it was 1993 was my first time in, in Africa, in, in um, Zambia. I was in a little place. Anyone from Zambia in the house? Nearby Zimbabwe? Africa? I'll take anything today. I'll see that hand. God bless you. I'll see that hand. That's awesome. And I was in Zambia, and I was in this little village called Livingston. It was very rural, and we had the opportunity to go into a village that was run by Chief Makuni. We had favor with Chief Makuni, and he allowed us into his villages. And we rocked up, we rocked up in these villages in four-by-fours, saw people that had never encountered a Westerner or heard the gospel. It was awesome. Loved that stuff. I came alive. I was like Indiana Jones. I really was. I didn't have a whip or a hat, but it was happening on the inside of me. As we were going in, I was like, dun, 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 dun. I was like, this is it. And I remember going into the village. And when I went into the village, I saw hungry kids. You say, did they have swollen bellies? Yeah, there were marks of malnutrition that were visible. But that's not told, what told me how hungry they were. It's when I came in and we brought some food in for the villages. It's when I, I remember kneeling down and watching the kids come out of the village. It was a look in their eye. It was a look in their eye. It was a look that said... Hey, mate, I will, I will climb any mountain if you'll feed me. I'll, I'll swim any river. I'll overcome any fear or any blockage or anything that stops me in my life if you will please feed me. I remember looking at that look, and it was a scary look of hunger. And suddenly I remember being back in the kitchen, the little four-by-four nine-year-old. Like, I didn't know what hunger was. I conned myself. I'd settled for something, and it, I thought it was hunger. This is hunger. I've begun to see that look in my eyes when I look in the mirror when I'm spending time with Jesus. I've begun to see that look in people's eyes in, in church. People that have said, yeah, we've just been just downright polite, and I want to get hungry. Can you feel the presence of God right now? Can you feel his spirit? He wants us hungry. Why? Because he's got so much more for us than what we've satisfied ourselves with. When we talk about hunger, we can talk about degrees of hunger. And I think, you know what, when I was that little kid, I was hungry, but I wasn't hungry for a banquet. I was hungry for a Kit Kat. Come on, when we say we're hungry for God, what do we mean? Are we hungry because he said he's got banquets for us? Or actually... Do we mean I want to pop in and have a Scooby snack? I want a Snickers. I want a Twix. Listen, something's rocking in me at the moment. I'm going to get in so much trouble the next couple of years. You watch me. I am going to be such a troublemaker. You heard it here first. Because I don't want a Twix anymore. I don't want to look nice. I don't want to, you know, okay, I'll get away with skinny jeans real well. I know that. I know that. None of that stuff. Skinny jeans won't change the world. If they, if they would, it would have been changed by now because so many people are wearing them. It's when people get hungry. It's when you get hungry if you wear flares or skinnies. It doesn't matter what. It's when you've got something inside of you that says, I'm going to get up and seek God when I need to get up. Not out of obligation, but out of desire. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to burn the night if I need. If God's saying something, I'm going to, oh, get that gut hunger. Call it old school. I call it real life. I call it crave. You know, we've got a weekend on in church next weekend where I've just designated two nights and I've said to the church, I want you there. 
you're a rebellious little bunch of monkeys. I want you there. I know some of you won't come, but we're going to spend all of next weekend craving God, saying, God, we crave you. God, we lay aside other stuff. I just sense in, in England and in Wales and in Scotland and in Ireland, there is a hunger brewing in people again. Not for the modern thrills, but for that old Christianity where you hear God for yourself. You feel him in your bedroom and your dining room as much as you do in any meeting. He satisfies the hungry with good things. He satisfies the thirsty. You've got to be hungry. You've got to be thirsty. That's why I'm only here to preach you're hungry and thirsty today. The rest is down to him. He says if you're hungry and you're thirsty, you won't miss out. Like the woman at the well in Samaria, he said, no, I'll give you what satisfies, hun. You won't be back seeking again. So I've been looking at the word hunger. And it's funny that when you look at the word seek, do you know that one of the definitions of the word seek is crave? Have you ever craved anything? I've craved chicken tikka masala. I've craved kebab with hummus on. I've, I've craved, uh, in fact, I've craved every manner of food I think that ever has been created. Come on, have you ever craved God? Have you ever craved him? I'm not talking take it or leave it. Should I go to church this week? Do you know that they say the new modern norm is people go to church twice a month. What the heck? What is that? How can you even stay away? I understand if you've got a job or a commitment. Will our kids do sport on Sunday? Then don't let Ours wanted to, and we said no. My 16-year-old the other day said, I've got a dream job at Timberland, Dad. They're offering me, but I've got to work Sundays. I said, well, that's not going to work, is it? Because you're coming to the house of God, and, you're and as he did, God honored him with a better job that doesn't include Sunday. Well, come on, let's teach our kids to love the house, not to love sport. Oh, I can't pay for them to go to youth camp. You'll offer me thousands when they're in prison to help them. Come on now. We teach our kids to love God, to love the house, to hunger him, whatever that looks like. All right. The word crave makes a whole lot of verses make sense. It's like Matthew 6, 3, when it says, seek first the kingdom of God, then all these other things will be added to you. One of the meanings of that word seek is crave. Doesn't it make more sense when it says, crave first the kingdom? Not, oh, politely have a nibbly appetite. Crave first the kingdom. Crave first to crave means to desire earnestly to want more than any other thing crave first the kingdom and all these other things your father add to you matthew 7 7 again it says you will find me when you crave me seek me with your whole heart well i can't find the lord you're not hungry enough he won't disappoint the hungry. I promise you, he won't disappoint the hungry. You can be saved a week. You can be saved uh, for a lifetime. He will never disappoint the hungry person. But often we're not hungry. We have a fickle, fit it into my week mentality about God. He stopped being a person. He stopped being the father. There's an awakening that's blowing across our land. And I'm grabbing my flag and I'm running at the front of it. Not with weird manifestations, with people getting hungry for their God again. Seek first the kingdom, crave first. But you know what? I've preached hunger for years. But recently I realized that my hunger has gone to depths, but it's never gone before. Because it's easy to be hungry for his presence. That's easy. When you've tasted, you've seen he's good, you want more, right? It's easy to be hungry for his presence. I'm not belittling that, but that's lightweight Christianity. That's starting block stuff. What I sense in my heart right now isn't just a hunger for his presence or a hunger for his hand, but a hunger for his face and a hunger for his ways and a hunger for his statutes and his precepts in my life. A hunger to walk away from my rebellious ways that are contrary to what he has for my life. A hunger for his ways over mine. Now, don't get me wrong. His ways are higher than my ways, and often they don't make sense until you're through what he's doing. But I look back on early Christianity in my life, and I was hungry, but what I was hungry for was goosebumps. 
Oh, Lord, I'm hungry for you in this meeting. Give us a tingle, God. Let me know you're there. Lord, I've got a shopping list here. Yeah, I love you, but here's my shopping list. I'm hungry for you to do for me what I need. I don't know. Something's graduated in my hunger recently. I'm like, I don't care about that stuff. I want you. And by that, I mean, I want your ways. I'm hungry for your ways. I'm not going to argue with you anymore. I'm hungry for your ways. I'm hungry for your precepts. Listen, if you want a quick read, read Psalm 119. That'll only take you a couple of minutes. But the entrance to Psalm 119, I love it. It says the writer, if you read it in the Amplifies, it says this. Blessed is the man who craves for God. Other translations say, blessed are the man, happy, fortunate to be envied of those who keep his testimonies, who seek, inquire. That word seek, I think it's in the traditional Amplified, says crave. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him, inquire of him, who crave him, not with partial heart, but with whole heart. You want to be blessed, it's simple, but it ain't for the lazy. Listen, grace was never meant to put you to sleep. It was meant to mobilize you, to want him more. Grace isn't sitting back on your blessed assurance going, it's done, it's done, it's done. It's, I want to know the one who did it. I want him in my life. I want him to possess every chapter, every corridor of who I am. Lord, I don't just want you. I want your ways. Lord, in this area of my life, if I've been living this way and your word says live that way, I now hunger your statutes and your precepts because your word is true. It's correct. It causes me to walk on the pathways that I need to. Oh, it's so easy to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Does that mean you're living in the pasture or following him? Because the path of righteousness for laying down in green pastures, the still waters, isn't for the sheep in the corner of a field going, I belong to this sheep. It's for the one that says, you're my shepherd, Lord. The Lord, he, that's what David was saying. The Lord, he is my shepherd. I'm hungry for my shepherd. And because he is my shepherd and I follow him by morning and by night, I lay down in green pastures. My enemies don't trouble me. I, I, I lay by still waters. I walk on pathways of righteousness. Listen, we've got a lot of people that say they're the sheep of the Lord, but they're sitting in the corner doing their own thing. Yes, they're a part of the pasture, but it's a different thing when a sheep says, I'm following my shepherd. That's when you see him lay tables in the presence of thine enemies. That's when he anoints your head with new oil every day. That's when suddenly goodness and mercy begin to stalk you when you once stalked them. Hunger, hunger. I'm coming in for a landing, don't get worried. Hunger. It's greater than any other hunger. Hunger for him, who he is. Hunger for his ways. Fresh hunger for his precepts, statutes. The psalm 119, the writer said, I hunger not just you, the experience of you, Lord, but your ways. Man, I look back over my life, Dave, and I see times I wasn't hungry in his ways. I loved him, but I was hungry in my ways, my statutes, what I felt was right. But I'm getting to a bad condition right now, guys. I really am. I don't want my ways anymore. I want him. I'm desperate for him. Only him, only him. Not the shopping list of my infantile Christianity. Him. But also we've got to get hungry, I believe, finally, for his works. Again, when we come to things like heart for the house, we don't have obligation. We just have ownership. What I'm saying to my church at the moment, because we've got an offering coming up, a heart for the house, is simply this. Just grab this equation and we'll be okay. It's the power of when his church becomes my church we become unstoppable as long as the church is somewhere you attend you won't give like you should give when it becomes your church not just his church in that pure dynamic becomes the giving and the sacrifice that we need to be unstoppable but the works of God we've got to be hungry for them I found this verse recently and I noticed that Jesus knew about hunger in John 4 it's so funny, it's that moment just after the Samaritan woman and his encounter with her. Suddenly his disciples come and they were such a bunch of dinlows, weren't they, sometimes, just like us. They really were, they weren't sharp at all, most of them. 
They became sharp, but they weren't when he met them. And they come up to him, and he's just had this encounter with a woman at the, at the well, and she's gone into the village to tell everyone about this Jesus that she met. Meanwhile, the disciples return, and they say, Lord, are you hungry? And they're thinking natural appetite. And Jesus turns to them and says, I have food that you don't know of. And in their minds, they start to say, did somebody bring him food? Did somebody bring him McDonald's? No, it wouldn't have been. It would have been McDavid's, wouldn't it? Somebody brought him McDavid's. Did somebody sneak the saviour a McDavid's? Is he holding out of us? Has he got a few Happy Meals tacked away somewhere? And we're like worrying about him and he's like scoffing in the corner. And Jesus looked at him and thought, you're lemons. A lot of you, but I love you. I love you. He said, no, my food is to do the will of my father and to finish the work he gave me to do. Do you know there's an appetite for God that can outweigh every other appetite? I've been doing DIY the last few days. We, God blessed us and uh, brought us into a new home and we, we'd not been at a home for a while. And so we're just really pumped about what God's done in our life and what he's restored in our life. But I've got this new passion for DIY and that really scared Gina because I'm like, my DIY is we've got half hour, let's get this done, don't matter what it looks like. <laughs> I had one tool, it was called a hammer. That was it. But I've really been good at better at this. Wives are hitting their husbands. You are not alone. I am here with you. Yeah, I was one of you. But I'm not anymore. I've graduated. But do you know, it's amazing. Normally I walk through life and I'm like, all right, 12 o'clock, about time for a sandwich now. My lady wife should be appearing with Asani about now. But recently, I was converting a, a, a garage into another bedroom for our boy, and, and we were doing it ourselves and working in the loft. But suddenly, I was losing hours and not eating. Now, this is an incredible move of God. <laughs> suddenly, I was walking out and finding plates of food that were given me and remembering when Gina said, I've made you something to eat two hours before. And I didn't even go and look at it because I was so busy to finish what I was doing. Jesus said, there's a hunger for what you can do for God that can outweigh every other hunger, every appetite that you knew once that governed you will make way every addiction, every habit, every other hunger. When you begin to hunger God, his ways, what he wants done on the earth, every other hunger bows the knee and suddenly you begin to walk in a realm of satisfaction I want a hunger like the woman with the issue of blood she was hungry she wasn't playing that day when you read about the woman with the issue of blood in Luke 8 verse 43 you didn't stand in that woman's way she wasn't like oh I fancy a nibble of a miracle she was like I'm getting that miracle get out of my face get out of my way I will hurt you like you have never been hurt. When you read that story, the doctors have said, no, sorry, love, you're going to die. We took your money, you're going to die. Then all of a sudden she heard about the one called Jesus and she got hungry for the one called Jesus. She heard that the one called Jesus was over there, that there was a crowd that stood between her and him. I'm so glad that she was so hungry she didn't get all polite and British. I'm so glad that she said, I'm getting that miracle. I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And she began to push through, but she was disqualified on two counts. One, because she was a lady and back in that day ladies shouldn't be pushing through crowds of men especially rabbis the other thing was she was bleeding which made her unclean she was akin to a leper she shouldn't have been in that crowd but tell you when you get so hungry for something God's got for you you don't care anymore you don't care like David said I'll become even more undignified I can remember used to be in church oh, oh I ain't gonna dance everybody or think I'm kind of stupid or crazy now I'm like I don't know what that one's called but it's gonna catch on I don't care anymore I don't care what you think. Listen, sorry to, I don't care what you think of me today. I don't care. I really, I'm sorry, I don't want to belittle you. I don't care. I, I really, I used to, but I don't care anymore. Because I'm living in the audience of one. I care about him. She said, I'm going through that crown. She started to push. And some nice little religious guy went, Excuse me, my love. It took one look at her eyes and went, Oh, you're sorry, babe. You're, you're fine. Go on, go on. Just don't hurt me. 
And she started to push. She said, I'm having that miracle. I'm, I'm having that miracle. You ain't stopping me. I'm going for it. When's the last time you robbed sleep of your time to get something from God? When's the last time you gave God something you haven't given him for a while? Man, you want him to satisfy? You've got to push through a crowd. Not from some religious expectation, but some desire inside. I'm getting God. Some other religious guy went, excuse me, my love. She looked and said, I'll hurt you. I will hurt. You won't even see it coming. You'll feel the first one, then you'll know nothing. And she stared this guy and he went, <laughs> she touched the hem of a garment and he satisfied her. One more psalm and we'll pray this morning. Psalm 42. This is where I'm heading with my life. It really is. As the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you you alone are my heart's desire and i long to worship hey i wasn't going to sing that it just kind of came out but that's what i'm saying today the writer of that psalm he said, I don't know how to put in words how I'm feeling right now. I really don't. The other things that once pleased me, they don't please me anymore. The, the things that once satisfied me, the things I strived for in life and preachers told me to strive for them. They mean nothing. They don't do it for me. And then the rider of the psalm happens upon this young deer thirsting for refreshment. And he looks at this young deer. He said, that's it, God. <laughs> The deer has nailed it. As the deer pants for the water. God, I pant for you. Put that hunger back in us, Father. That we don't have to be brought to school with teachers. Get where we need to be. Convinced to lay down stuff that's wrong, we, we choose to lay it down. love your presence Lord Christianity is real simple it's about him and it's about others full stop as the deer pants for the water so my soul longs after you you alone are my heart's desire and I long to worship you alone. You alone are my strength, my shield to you spirit yield you alone are my heart's desire and I long to oh one more time as a dear as a hungry for more God, if you want to be more hungry for God, just stand to your feet and I'm going to pray that the Holy Ghost begins to touch you right now. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ, you're doing it right now, you're doing it right now and someone will talk to you afterwards. This is beautiful, this is the Holy Ghost this morning saying I'll do it, I'll do it. Listen, I, I want to warn you, don't come looking for me when your sleep gets affected. Don't, look, don't come looking for me, you ask for it. Don't come looking for me when you can't do some of the wicked stuff you've been doing. Don't come looking for me. You ask for it. When his waves begin to burn in you. When your sleep's affected, but you love it. <laughs> when you get so hungry. Holy Spirit. You know, I was going to call some people forward, but I felt the Spirit of God say to me, 
you won't have room. This is what time it is in Christianity. It's time for the hungry to get hungrier. Just lift your hands for me. I'm going to pray a prayer over you, and I hope it causes chaos in your life. I hope it rocks everything that's been stable but not God. Every other thing that's been satisfying. Right now, alcohol is breaking off of someone right now in Jesus' name. Right now, that's, that's just temporary stuff. You won't need it anymore. Drugs broken right now. The addiction bows the need to a greater addiction, a greater craving. Just pray after me. Heavenly Father, I bring my life before you this morning. With simple words, because you hear my heart. Make me hungry. Holy Spirit, you live in me. Break out of the alabaster jar of my soul. Let the oil of who you are begin to flow through my life. Put a hunger in me, Holy Spirit, for more of Father God, to know Jesus more, to love your ways and walk in your ways. I commit my life to you today afresh. I am yours. You are mine. My sins are removed. I'm born again, born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. I am yours. You are my shepherd. There is no want in my life as I follow after you. Holy Spirit, I receive a divine hunger. Mess my organized Christianity up. This I pray in Jesus' name. Just every hand lifted right now. Holy Ghost is touching people right now. Yeah, he is. He's touching people right now. He's touching people. He's touching people. Come on, just a couple more times. As the deer... Make this your prayer this morning. The water so my soul longs after... Oh, move, Holy Spirit. Move, move, move. You alone are my heart's desire and I long. More of you, Lord. You alone, you alone, you alone, you alone. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit. Behold, there is a new day at hand, like the changing of a page. So a page is turning right now in a book. Though it's felt like the page has been up in the air, that you've been between two seasons for a, a fair time now. It's, you knew that the page lifted, but it hasn't felt like the page has fully landed yet. Right now in, in God, I'm seeing a page in a big book, a great book. It's an old book. It's a book that's been going for years. But there's been this page in the middle that's been standing upright. And God's been waiting, not for something that we were going to perform, but something we were going to become and even now I'm seeing him blow upon that page and the hand of man couldn't put that page down the hand of man couldn't force that page down at different times from good intention man had said come on it's time for us to move on now but it seems that that page would not settle 
down and the new chapter couldn't fully begin. But know even to this morning that the Lord is blowing on that page. I see, see the breath of God blowing on that page and ever so lightly it flutters to take its position in the book. And a new chapter is revealed. It's not just a new page. I'm seeing a new chapter with a new chapter heading. The new day that you've been praying for, experiencing, tasting. Behold, it's here. Know that the Lord hasn't want you to become something that's not spiritual, but something that is. And even now as he's placed a hunger, a fresh hunger for you, for himself and for others, deep within the spirit of so many of you. Know that there's going to be a natural living out of this next chapter. Oh, I'm just looking at this chapter and there's songs of joy coming off of it. There's laughter. I I see people, hands with sleeves rolled up, serving the loved and the unlovable. I can just see a great season at hand. Does this make sense? It's like I just see that leaf of a page and everything in you knew it should have by now landed. And you've seen like, okay, Lord, we're in between seasons, but when? Come on, we've done everything. Even you and your wife have prayed. God, we did everything you asked us to do. We've done what you've asked us to do, but it seemed like nothing was going to make this page. And a page is made of just a thin, thinner paper. Nothing was going to make it go down and take its place in the book. I didn't have this word till I started preaching. <sighs> gently, gently, the page lands. And the Lord says, Oh, I can see the top of a. Behold, I do the next thing. Not a new thing, next thing. Behold, I do the next thing. The page has landed. It's been a hard season. Man, that season, you could write a book one day about that season when the page is up and it's not down. It's neither halfway up, it's neither halfway down. That was a song, wasn't it? It's down. In Jesus' name, I bring into being the new season of this church. And I say the page has landed in integrity. I'm just hearing that. It's landed in integrity. No one's pushed it down. But the Lord has said, it's time. I I don't know, I just think something that we've shared on this morning has just been the final moment. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Listen, I'm just a pastor from Portsmouth leading a few people, but I'm going to get them hungry. You guys up here in Newport, get hungry. Get hungrier. Get hungrier. Get hungrier. The day is here. It's not coming. Don't you hate those prophecies? Behold, there's a day coming in due season. Due season! On that page, it's down. And the next chapter is exciting. Raba sanda kianda raba sondore vere berianda karamase te berianda mase berianda barianda basetianda kasetianda koterianda and the ashes will not be scorn upon your skin. The ashes will be healing and medicine for others. When others would say there's been a great fire in that place, a great change in that place, they will say, yeah, those people are marked with ashes, but those ashes are not the ashes of shame or the ashes of mourning, but the ashes that identify a people who have been through the fire. You will be a people that walk as those that have been through the fire, not avoided the fire, gone through the fire and come out the other side marked. Know that there is ash upon your face, saith the Lord. There is ash upon your face. There is ash upon your hand, but it's not the ash of negative burning but rather something that the Lord has done to cause I don't know how biblical it is but you know the analogy of the phoenix coming out of a fire I'm seeing that right now I'm seeing the tomorrow of this work of the Lord coming out of a time of fire and flames with arms and and wings that are not harmed or broken but spread wide know that the the wings will go wider than they've ever gone over the last 30 years of his ministry the wings will go wider the wilds will be stronger but you will always say we were a people born in fire we are marked with ash i just feel the holy spirit saying to emphasize again not the ash of shame but the ash of surely the Lord has had his hands on us. Can I just sing one more time over you? I know this is kind of weird. You alone are their strength, their shield. To you alone may their spirit yield. You alone are the true hope giver and we love to follow you 
Father, I thank you for all that you're doing from this moment in the calendar. I speak blessing over David. I just see alignment happening in your life. There's some stuff that God's just instantly aligning, instantly aligning. Things, dreams, things that didn't make sense, relationships. Get ready. There's some alignments happening, like crack, 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 crack. And it's suddenly you're going to feel, wow, that doesn't ache anymore. There's some alignment. Get ready, not just with people, but with things and plans. There's some stuff that God wants to just gently realign for where you need to be next. The alignment you had was perfect for where you were, but where you're going next. You listen, when you've learned to paddleboard and you suddenly want to windsurf, you've got to realign yourself, all right? God's just realigning some stuff. But I just speak blessing over your household. I speak blessing over your life. I speak blessing over your leadership. Haley and the guys and the team, I speak blessing over you. I just see joy flowing from this place. Joy, joy, joy. He lays a table for you in the presence of those who... Now listen... Not those who have made themselves enemies of you. There's not room in my spirit for enemies. I remember I was praying that a while ago. I said, I can't say those that are my enemies. There's no room in my spirit. So what I pray now is he lays the tables for me in the presence of those who have chosen to make themselves enemies of me. Because I have no enemies. I have no enemies. I have none. I have no enemies. I have none. But there's people, he's laying tables. And, you know, back to the sheep. Do you know a sheep will never lay down in green pasture if there's a predator near? Yet the sheep that follow Jesus, they sit and eat in the middle of their predators. <laughs> they eat from the table. Hey, I've said that. God bless you. Love you guys. Is that all right?